Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. How are you? Hopefully you are off to a really strong start this week. I am recording this Father's Day. Happy belated Father's Day to all of you collectors out there. You know what? I interact with a lot of you on a regular basis, and I think there's a lot of dads out there that are Stacking Slabs podcast listeners. You know who I'm talking about. It's the individual who is grinding, working to support that family getting run ragged by those kids and when you got a few seconds to breathe you're opening up your instagram ebay auction sites and trying to get those cards that are building out your collection shout out to all you dads out there i was fortunate celebrated my first it has been an amazing year being a dad and i just love it and i just like meeting other dads in the hobby Oh man, got back from my parents' house and there was the barbecue going. We celebrated a double birthday. We had the cake, we had the cookie cake, the ice cream. I'm feeling it on the other side. I am going to be relaxing after I get done recording this, but there's a lot to talk about today. So some of what I want to talk about, I was at a card show this week. Shout out Midwest Monster, Indianapolis, actually Fishers, but you know what? We're going to call it Indianapolis. Um, got a chance to go to that. So I'm going to talk about that experience. Also want to talk about the primary topic, which I want to explore in that's how to take advantage of a down market as a collector. So share with you things that I'm doing while the market is down, while people are talking about prices getting cut in half, share some perspective of what I'm doing during that time. And then on the other side of it, I want to share what you're doing. So I asked the community, what is one thing you're doing to take advantage of a down market? So share those on the other side. Let's get into it. We have new NBA champions. Seems like on the other side of this, people want to talk a lot about Steph Curry and where is Steph Curry's placement in the all-time greats. People say top 10. People say not top 10, not quite yet. I don't really know which side I'm on. I'm not really big into rankings because I think there's so many factors, especially across eras. And you might say, okay, that's a, that's soft. Not take, not taking a stance. This is what I can tell you. I can tell you that this year felt like a year where there was no front runner. And what happened was experience took over, especially in that finals If you're a Celtics fan, I think there's not a lot you can complain about. I remember hearing Celtics fans talking midway through the season, thinking about hanging it up, saying, you know what, we'll get them next year. Then all of a sudden they went on a hot streak and then just hit a wall in the finals. Unfortunately, played their worst basketball. But still, what a run. Congratulations to the Celtics and all you C's fans out there. I think you got a lot to look forward to. But Dub Nation. The Warriors did it again, did it with the same core, Um, healthy, but aged, weathered, experienced. I think the experience took over, and especially Steph Curry. He's the focal point. 
Without him, none of this happens. I think for me, my perspective is whether it's top 10 or whether it's not, he is certainly one of the best players I have seen in my lifetime. And I think it's not just the ridiculous shooting. It's not the game winners. It's not the takeovers. It's not, you know, the facilitation. It's more the intangibles that I like about Steph. I feel like he's got a presence. His presence commands attention. The attention turns into leadership and he stands there tall at the end once again. So I think he's a very important player. I think from his, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with his cards. They were already on a rocket ship and then boom, he wins another one. Not sure where he stands in the all-time grades, but I will say this. He is certainly, in my opinion, one of the best players I've ever seen play the game. A lot of conversations this week about Brett, talk about Vince McMahon, talk about the scandals, talk about what's going on. I don't really want to get into that. If you want to get some Vince McMahon takes, go listen to a wrestling podcast. There are plenty out there talking about what's happening. This is what I can say is I try to separate the real people from the entertainment. So I do get into, you know, the speculation and the rumors and the dirt sheets. But you know what? I'm just going to sit here as a wrestling fan and still enjoy it. So on the AEW side, this week in wrestling, God, Dynamite was so freaking good. They're building towards Forbidden Door. Man, and they just have an awesome product every freaking week. Every Wednesday, I feel satisfied. And then SmackDown, of course, I watch SmackDown. And what more can I say? Riddle and Roman tore the damn house down. Go check out that match. It was a main event pay-per-view or premium live event as they call it today, type match. Tons of excitement. I'm just a wrestling fan. There's all the other stuff, and it impacts you know, what's going to happen and where, where Vince McMahon's going to go and who's going to get the power. That's, there's going to be a long game. that We've been here before in other trials and tribulations um, as a WWE fan, so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the product for now. And I can hardly believe this. It is draft week, and this always blows my freaking mind. You have the, the NBA Finals in, then you have to pop right back around, and it's draft season. And tomorrow, the day after this one goes live, we will be picking, and the Pacers are picking six, which is ridiculous. They're never there. They're so pedestrian normally that they're 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 picking. If they are picking in the lottery, they're picking in the double digits. So this is the highest draft pick that... I think I've ever in recent memory or for for a long time. So I'm not quite sure what I want, you know. So I'm trying to catch up. I've been reading Kevin O'Connor, The Ringer, uh, put out some some content that I thought was good. Reading some athletic content. Um, O'Connor had Smith to the Magic, calling him a, a two way Richard Lewis. Then he had Hol- Holmgren to the Thunder, calling him a Gen Z Pau Gasol. Panchero, who I think might be the player of the draft, we'll see. Had him as a Chris Weber slash Julius Randle. Jay Nivey to the Kings, calling him a Donovan Mitchell type. Uh, Mathum to the Pistons, J- Jamal Crawford type score. And then Keegan Murray to the Pacers, calling him a Pascal Siakam slash Al Horford type. I think, you know what? Who knows? Who knows? I think there'll be some wheeling and dealing. There's a lot of parody, I think, in this draft. I don't really know what the Pacers want. It's you just hope they make the right pick. Hopefully, if you're out there drafting guys, you you got guys you're excited about. This is what I can tell you: these are the players when their cards come out, especially Prism, will be the 
mainstream hobby conversations, and this will be going and going and going and going. And that's what happens, and that's what we do, especially with basketball prospects. And so for me, I think it's always kind of the what you want to do and the lens you want to look at when you're talking about basketball prospects is think about that three-year window. I remember, you know, the Luca and Trey conversations and then was talking about Trey and how it was such a big year for him. And then he went and he had a big playoff run to help kind of validate and justify some of his prices at the time, I guess I should say that in context. But I think it's this th- these three-year windows you got to look at. And what's insane to think about it's we're at that three-year window of Zion and Ja, which these were the guys, these were the mainstream heroes when I got back in the hobby, and they pulled a lot of people in. There was so much buzz around Zion specifically. You had people coming back into the hobby to get a chance to pull um, his cards, buy into breaks, buy hobby boxes, rip. It was Zion mania. And so then what's happened? A lot has happened. I think when he's played, he's been super healthy, but he's hardly played. And then John Morant has kind of elevated his uh, name to that next level and is kind of entering in as one of the bright young stars of the NBA. I was looking on Card Ladder and looking at the three-year mark since we're approaching it, and Zion's cards in in the index are down 77% from the jump of his cards first coming out, which I mean, man, if you're not, if you you can't play, your cards are going to go down. I know there's still people speculating, but it feels like a lot of the, um, the money and the interest on Zion has certainly gone down, especially after this past season. And on the other side with John Morant, strong season, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. His cards have been up 128%. So from from that three-year mark. So I think it's just something, it's a gamble. It really is at the end of the day, and you got to be careful. So there are no, we can't forecast which one of these players on the other side of the draft is going to make it, if any. And But we're, inevitably, people are going to get excited and try to play hot potato with some of these cards. Think one way or the other, I'm a fan of the NBA. I'm a fan of watching these young guys integrate into the NBA, I think. At the end of the road, it's always like, you know what? Only a few of these guys end up making it, so be careful. But until then, let's enjoy the NBA draft. I was fortunate enough to go to a card show, and when I was planning for this card show, I thought, you know what? It's just another local show, and then as we started to get closer and closer, I realized, man, there are a lot of dealers. There are a lot of people from all over the country coming in. They're coming into my backyard, and this is exciting. So we had this circled on the calendar Friday. It was my brother's 40th birthday. Shout out McGrath cards. I'm give, throwing it out there. The man is 40. Go send him a belated happy birthday. We took the day off of work. Um, we wanted to get in the mix. We wanted to dedicate some time meeting some people, going through showcases, digging through cards. And when I guess when we approached the – it started at noon on Friday, and we approached – the venue, it was already, the parking lot was already completely full. They were shuttling in people. And I was like, man, this is something. And it didn't feel like a local show. It felt very much like a regional show. I think you had some of the biggest dealers in in the house. I saw MC Sports Cards, Ryan Card Collector 2, um, Justin 610, 
there was just a lot of familiar faces that you'd see at the national or national shows, and I thought that was cool. I think a big part about this, J&J, IndyCar Exchange, there was a lot of kind of community-building promotion of this show, and I think it's really good, and I'm glad to have something like that, as which is going to happen again, it looks like, happen in my backyard. And I think we, I, I will say, and I had a couple people when I jumped, kind of walked in and started talking to people. They're like, yeah, you don't, don't see it a lot of shows. And it's like, you're right. Like I don't go to a lot of shows. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me with a little one to get away on the weekend. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I don't want to go to shows, nor do I not want shows to happen around me. So I think this is really good. And when there are shows that happen regularly around you, it gives you um, some some opportunity to plan. And so I felt the energy of being at the show and feel, seeing all those people, um, being a part of the mix, talk, just having conversations. It was so awesome. Um, got the chance to see Kyle. Kyle flew in from the Wax Museum. Met my man Steve for the first time at Vintage Pacers. Just good conversations, seeing friends in the hobby. Um, I didn't come out with anything that I wanted, but it was all be all good because j- to me it was just about the experience. Um, and I think having those conversations with people that listen to the show, um, I met so many people that stopped me and say, "Hey, I love the podcast. Listen, to the show was good." Kyle, if you're listening, this is a my brother Kyle, Kyle from Wax Museum. I met a listener, Kyle, and I'm telling you, Kyle, if you're listening right now, I still want that 2011. Peyton Topps Chrome Gold that you have. You showed it to me. I still want it, pal. Let me know. <laughs> um, but I think also, too, going through the showcases and meeting people and figuring out if I wanted to spend money or not, you go into these shows and you have this idea of cards that you're currently watching or cards that are on your mind. We always have these cards that are on our mind that are online. And if for me, I was measuring those cards up against cards that I was seeing, and it was like, okay, well, you know what? Like, although this card's in front of me right now, the card that's on my watch list or that some one of the collectors that I know is holding for me, I'd rather spend that money um, on that than I would some of these cards at the shows. And that was my mentality. And it wouldn't always be there that way, but it, I just nothing jumped off the page at me that I had to have. However, because I had cash and it was burning a hole in my pocket, I did over the last couple of days make some buys. And those were cards that were already on my mind. Um, those are cards that I have not got yet, but I will share once I do. And I just think shows in general, such a positive ex- experience. And the National isn't in the cards for me this year. So this was a good fill-in, right? This was a really good fill-in. And I think the, the punchline for me is if you, if, you got, if you have the opportunity, and it doesn't need to be every weekend, it could be once a quarter or maybe once every other quarter, try to get out to a show. There's so much that you can learn from just talking to dealers or meeting and communicating with people in real life from the internet. And I just had such a positive experience. So shout out to J&J Sports Cards in that show, The Midwest Monster. Can't wait for you to come back. And if you are out of town and you're listening to this, Indy Airport, 10 years running, best airport, easy to connect to, in and out, come pay our city a visit um, we'll have to get the date of the next one and i will be someone that will be happy to promote it so let's talk about the topic how do you take advantage of a down market as a collector i want to tell you this first and foremost this is not going to be your cookie cutter top 10 ways to do x or this is how you do y 
the best way to do blah. I think those lists typically suck. So I just want to, what I want to do, that's why I wanted to split it up and say, this is how I'm operating. These are the things I'm doing. This is how I'm thinking. This is what's making me happy. And then flip that around and just share some perspective from everyone who responded to my post on Instagram and just call out some people and talk about what they're doing. And hopefully the goal here is to um, maybe give some inspiration for ways to be thinking about entering in the hobby in the next several months. I think probably haven't quite hit the floor yet on what's happening. And so I think this is an important topic, so let's get into it. So I think first and foremost, out of the gates, everyone has a different financial and operating system. I think we all also have different intentions. So because of this, this causes different philosophies, different ways to look at things. I just think that's very important. A lot of information we give and receive in the hobby is so matter of fact and so absolute and so one-sided or one way. And I'm trying to set the tone for this to be like, you know what? Like my financial situation is different than yours. The way I think about cards is different than yours. The way the goals I have around cards are different than yours. So my perspective inherently is different from yours. Um, I think what I want to do and my goal is to share what's working for me and also give voice to the community. And I think there's a couple things to call out right out of the top. So there is some crashing hard at the top of the um, card ladder or the food ladder um, you had in the PWCC premier auction, you had two monster cards that Josh from Cardboard Chronicles slash card ladder put this in his stories. They also talked about it on the crossover. But yeah, the 2017 Mahomes RPA hollow gold at a 10 BG, BGS 9.5 go from a million to 40, 480K. You had the 2018 NT Luca RPA out of five BGS nine go from a million to 504K. Um, so you had some significant losses at the top of the market. And I understand those cards only probably matter to maybe a half a percent of the people listening. However, it's good to know what's happening at the top because typically it comes and trickles down. I will also say there's been some positive momentum, and you can look at a card like the 2014 Flawless Brady out of 15, um, BGS 9.5. It sold, um, the last sale was like 105K, and then it sold um, in the, the premiere for 144K. So there is an increase, and I find that interesting. And I think if you think about the why behind that, there's a lot of different directions you can go. But what I, I, what I think and what I believe, based on my knowledge, is that a lot of the people who spend a ton of money on Brady are big-time Brady fans. They, they're in it. They're hardcore, strong collector base. And I'm not saying Luca and Mahomes don't have strong collector bases and people that are fans of them and watch all their games and collect their cards. But I think there's also a lot of people who enter those markets and it's a little, there's some, there's some gambling going on, right? People trying to take advantage and maybe some people are getting burned on the other side of that. So I just know the Brady collecting community is strong and cards don't move. Those flawless cards are just popping up now, but there hadn't been sales for those in a long time. So I think while it does seem doom and gloom in some areas, you got to look at other areas because there's positive trends happening. 
Um, I loved what Josh put in his post. He said he had three reasons why he thought this were happening. He said people have way less money than they did last last week in crypto and stocks are crashing. There's too much supply and circulation right now. Volume volume up right now during a time of unrest. Prices only have one way to go. And a lot of cards went up too fast, too quick, too fast. I think all of those are very, very good points. The going up too quick and too fast is something that definitely stands out to me. Um, I think a lot of people too are panic selling. And it's whenever so much, the one thing you have to consider is like when a card starts popping up every premier auction or on eBay, you know, every other week, or there's multiple chances of that, like the first sale is probably going to do the best. And then after that, it's probably going to go down. So I think all of those are really good points. And I think for me, from my perspective, I think selling is something that I've been very, very mindful of. And I've made some sales auction style and they've been lower than I thought they'd go. And I think I've got an operation, so I need to move cards and some sometimes to cover the cost of new cards that I bought. And so I think I've known this going in, and, but since I have a system, I think it's it's just a reminder that you really need to separate cards out into piles. And it's like, what cards are you okay with taking a, some some a little bit of a loss in so you can get some cash so you can buy some other cards that you really want? And I think it's just don't get rid of stuff that you love. Just now is not the time to do that. Grab pieces that don't fit into your collection anymore. So evaluate that collection. If you need cash flow because you want to buy other pieces, make sure you like do an evaluation. Sit down and seriously evaluate your PC. What fits, what doesn't, what matters, what doesn't, and separate them. Because you need to, when you're selling a card in this environment, and if you're selling it auction style especially, you have to have some range that you think you're going to forecast it, that, that it could go by. And what is your absolute bottom? If you're not cool with that card hitting a certain range, then just don't sell it. Like make another move, make another play. So I think selling is, if you're putting an auction up, chances are it's probably going lower than, than you anticipate. I think buying, you have to be very thoughtful before you smash Ben shoot the seller a message, right? Every People are trying to get rid of cars right now. And st- still a lot of the current market isn't factored into the buy it now price. So make sure you be thoughtful before you smash bin. A lot of the value is being had in the auctions. Like I mentioned, um, sellers are trying to turn over their inventory and there's a ton of opportunity in there. I think you've got to embrace your inner collector. If you're building continuity sets con- and connections, this is the time to do it. So one like example is my brother and I were talking about just like what we're building and collections. And I mentioned to him, you know, a lot of what I'm doing right now is kind of centered around Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, and Andrew Luck and collecting and connecting sets across years that they've played of similar cards and just building that continuity. And I mentioned to him that I had the 2012, um, Manning gold, Luck gold, Rivers gold, but I hadn't seen a Matt Ryan 2012 finest gold pop up. Well, what do you know? Right when we left the Midwest Monster, I met my brother at um, I met my brother to go um, grab a cigar, and he was like, "Dude, did you just say you were looking at for the 2012 finest gold Matt Ryan?" I was like, "Yeah, I've been looking for that forever." He goes, "One literally just popped up on eBay." So I went and I smashed uh, buy it now, but. 
I did that because I didn't need to, it was a, you know, it's not going to break the bank, but it was a card that to me, the price didn't really matter because I needed it to help satisfy a mini collection that I was building. And so I think embracing your inner collector and going after those cards that might not be mainstream talk of the market, but those cards that you need to help fill out sets and things that you're building, it's a really good time to take advantage of that. Um, I think the hobby is forever and will always have like these different conditions. And I think we as collectors just need to adjust a little bit um, and take advantage of some of these conditions. And I think that's a good way to think about it. It's like if something is down or if something is up, there's always opportunities to take advantage of different areas in that market. And for me, what I'm trying to do is trying to pay attention to cards and areas that I really love that I don't think other people are. But I will also say one of the cards that I won auction style post Midwest monster was a Peyton. And I paid the highest I've ever, the all time price for that card. So I thought I was going to get it for cheaper. I put in a high bid and it went for basically the the max my max bid so there are people still buying cards and it is competitive so i think it just matters the in those areas so just be mindful think about what you need as a collector where you're going and most most notably like go after cards right now that are for you and the are cards that the the, the mainstream market really isn't talking about or you don't see pop up think the more you can embrace your inner collect- collector right now you're going to you're going to end up getting some cards and you're probably going to end up getting them for pretty good prices. I want to thank you all for the love from last week's episode. Got a lot of conversations and a lot of feedback on the Reach vs. Resonance episode. Glad that resonated with you. Want to talk I'll be talking more about that kind of stuff and just some observations generally that I'm seeing in the hobby. Also, shout out to Flippity Flip, Jesse. Great conversation. Love talking about wide receivers. Go check out his page. Smash follow if you aren't already. I've got my man Chrissy Buckets on the pod this week. We are going to be talking about his collection collecting. He's a Dame Lillard collector. He likes gold stuff. I think he's doing some really cool, cool things, um, building out some sets that I'm interested in. So I'm going to have that conversation, bring it all to you on Friday. Go check out Chrissy Buckets' page. I also, if you haven't already, on this week, Kevin Randall hosted the second Peyton Manning Showcase Rookies and Patches and Autographs. That should be on his page, to Captain 37 So make sure you go check that out and give it a follow. I love the, the, the showcases. That kind of thing is cool, and we got people like Kevin in the hobby facilitating those. All right, so I asked you, the hobby, the community, What are things you're doing? One thing you're doing right now to take advantage of a down market. Here are the responses of those. Hopefully that can give you additional context and then we will get out of here. Cardiac sports cards, finding the deeper meaning behind why I enjoy collecting what I collect. That's good stuff, man. I love that. Kid card seller, PC graded variation slabs. Okay, I'm not quite sure what that means, but shout out kid card seller. Second wind, slowing, growing my Grail PC at a discount. I think a lot of people are doing that. Um, 90s kid card collector, getting cards that were previously out of my reach. A lot of opportunity there. I think there's probably still going to be some room. 
I think there's also like sometimes cards pop up and it's like it's our only chance. Like this is the only time we're going to see these cards. So I'm going to hopefully win this auction and get it for a cheaper price than I were six six or six months to a year ago. Vol in C cards, axing the word investment from my hobby life, buying only what I like because I like it. So simple. And I just love that. Dell's card shop, getting slabs at a decent price. Badger Pride 36, haven't pulled the trigger, but watching 96 Tops Chrome Kobe become affordable again. Um, I haven't looked at that one, but I would imagine Kobe's cards are probably getting to a point that seemed pretty reasonable for more people. Uh, Ari CXA LeBron. That's just all he said. LeBron. Good time to buy LeBron. MJS Sports Cards, sharpening my focus. Be smart on how I deploy funds, continuing to chase what I like. Cardboard Craig, time to buy PC. A lot of collector-driven responses here. Drake's PC, found some rare and scarce breeze cards to complete some Manning breeze pairings. Love that. Cuts cards 23. Trading out of non-PC players for higher-end PC cards. Love it. The Card Messiah 19, identifying stuff to buy when the shit really hits the fan. Mostly 90s basketball cards. Sellers much more open to offers. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Double down on this. Don't buy a card unless you're shooting a message. If they're not responding to your message, God, you gotta, I'm moving on. That's what I'm doing. I can't tell you the immediate reactions. I get immediate responses and I'm getting exactly the prices I want because I'm sending the message. Good call out. Hawks and Habs PC. PC building because it's where my passion is, buying less for investment and flips. Singapore Texan, getting access to super rare cards within my budget. A lot of, that's a theme and it's it's a really good one. Thank you, Singapore Texan. Caston uh, Brooks, adding to my collection, LSU players, some value pickups last few weeks. Ephus Pitch, just continue to be patient. We still haven't seen the bottom. Sweat 47, literally just buying cards again. Man, let's go. Not doom and gloom. Good time to make some plays, especially when it's buying cards that you love that fit nicely in your PC and is not what the mainstream hobby is telling you what is cool like now, cool right now or what you should buy. Thank you so much for listening to Stacking Slabs Podcast, being a supporter, sharing this stuff out on Instagram. All that stuff means so much to me. Tag your stuff. Tag Stacking Slabs. I'll repost it. You know I will. I appreciate the support. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Chrissy Buckets this week on the pod. Let's go. Peace.